You're listening to Legal Skies, a podcast by the Law Society of Saskatchewan. This is a special series of interviews and discussions with speakers, attendees and guests that attended the ABA Tech Show 2020 in Chicago. This is Season 2, Episode 3, Part 3. Hi, I'm your Legal Skies host, Julie Shovawali, and we're recording at the ABA Tech Show in Chicago, Illinois. And I'm here with Ian Hume. Hi, Julie. Happy to be here. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm a litigator, and I do uh, estates law and some insurance law at Carroll Hay Chown. Before that, I did a lot of practice management, advisor type stuff at LawPro, and I guess you could say I have a hobby and interest in tech stuff. So I know you're speaking about blockchain at the ABA Tech Show. So for our listeners who are not too familiar with blockchain, what exactly is blockchain? Yeah. Blockchain is a, a way for um, uh, people to keep track of transactions, records, data um, that's shared on a network, in, in a word. And some of the key features of blockchain are that it's encrypted, and so nobody, nobody can really see the data unless they have the key. Um, and that, that's, that gives a lot of privacy, right? And it cannot be changed. And so once a record is created on blockchain, it can't be changed, which is why um, it's really good for things like financial transactions and Bitcoin. So when you say uh, you're talking about encryption, isn't there already existing technology out there right now that encrypts financial transactions? There is. Uh, the beautiful thing about blockchain isn't just that it's encrypted, but it's also shared amongst the network. And, and there is um, strength in, in, a, in a network where um, the data is kept on all of these, what they call nodes, which might be in different places in the world. You might have a node or, very, uh, or a bunch of nodes in China, a bunch of nodes in the US and Europe and so on. And so if something happens at one location, um, it's still uh, protected and secure because the network exists. Um, you don't need to have, uh, you know, servers in, in the six banks in, in Canada, for example, and, and that's it, right? Um, you, the network w- is good stability for keeping such transactions. So how is blockchain being used right now? The most popular one is Bitcoin, which we know about. Um, some of the potential uses for it, and one we're about to see and are seeing a little bit of is insurance, where you have um, insurers who are creating payment systems between providers and clients without having to go through uh, a bunch of different steps to get yourself uh, the, the, you know, if you go get treatment at whatever center, um, it'll just happen. So are you talking more, for example, if I'm in a motor vehicle accident and then there's a, there's a claim and there's a payout, that process being digitized or using blockchain to make that payment? Uh, yeah, except they're not, it's, so far they're not using it for big payments like that, but just payments to treatment providers. So, uh, or sometimes to the um, claimant themselves, right? But what, what it is, it's a streamlined, uh, sort of techie way to do it, um, a little less uh, paper heavy, a little less bureaucratic. So if I'm a lawyer who practices in insurance defense or a related practice to that area, what would that look like when I'm dealing with my client? Yeah, I don't know if we would see um, a, a, 
a, uh, a use for that in the immediate future. Um, if anything, you're going to see uh, that their claimants are, might be using that on the accident benefits side, right, where th those payments are being made. Um, and they will be automated, and there will be records kept, and they'll be easily accessible, so long as they are accessible, right? Because again, keep in mind it's encrypted. Kind of depends on who has the keys. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very good point. So, what do you think is the most important thing that lawyers need to know about blockchain? Well, uh, there's there's a couple of things, but one of the one of the things I think about when I think about blockchain is is how it interacts with the right to privacy. Because you cannot delete a record in blockchain, and, and that is a key feature of blockchain and why it's beautiful for financial transactions, right? You know that this transaction happened, and you know that that transaction can never be deleted from the chain. Because things cannot be deleted, what if, what if instead of money you are keeping track of someone's personal health records? Well, the right to privacy, for example, in Europe, the GDPR, gives you the right to say, I want those records deleted, or I want those records changed. And if that's all kept on the blockchain, that cannot happen. There's an, an obvious conflict between blockchain and the right to privacy. Uh, the second thing I'll say is because blockchain exists um, in its best, purest form in various nodes in various geographic locations, there are huge problems in regards to jurisdiction. Who are you going to sue if something goes wrong? The node in China, the node in, U in the US, the node in Canada? a group of nodes in different places, who knows? And what jurisdiction of law applies? Is it the Canadian law that applies because there's a whole bunch of nodes in Canada? Or is it somewhere else? Or is it the where the blockchain originated from? So there are, there are these serious questions which uh, at some point will have to be answered and I'm, and I'm sure will be litigated. So from what you're telling me, because there's such a huge international component here, I think of two things. For lawyers, they're thinking risk. So is it is it worth it for me to maybe, yeah. you know, work with clients who are using blockchain or even myself wanting to enter into this out of curiosity? And then the second thing that you mentioned about the different laws. So there, there's going to be, need to be some international, yes. you know, coming together and, and putting together some international laws, uh, maybe standards, guidelines for how blockchain is used. Exactly. Uh, all of that will be developed clearly because there's a need for it. For lawyers working in the space, look, if you are aware of the risks, then you advise your client. Your client can make those choices. You don't have to make those choices so long as you advise them of the risks. Um, so the first blockchain textbook, uh, which was, was written in Canada, I think last year we released it. Aaron Grinhouse is the editor. I wrote a chapter in it all about the things you can think about when you think about risk as a lawyer. So that's sort of the go-to, I, I suggest, plugging my, my own book there. No, that's that's great. Uh, and, and what's the name of the book? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for the, for, for the listeners out there, I'm going to put it in the podcast notes, yes. and you will find the name of the book there. Thank you so much, Ian. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening today. We hope you found the podcast informative and would love to hear your feedback, comments, or suggestions. You can contact us at podcast at lawsociety.sk.ca. Until the next episode, I leave you with an amusing quote by Oscar Wilde. To get back my youth, I would do anything in the world, except take exercise, get up early, or be respectable. <laughs>